the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. We are fortunate to be alive at this moment in history. I can hear you. I can hear you. The rest of the world hears you. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. The truth is plain to see. If you want freedom, take pride in your country. If you want democracy, hold on to your sovereignty. It's time for the Pro-America Report with Ed Martin of The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be with you. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget... Best place to catch up on everything that's going on is ProAmericaReport.com. ProAmericaReport.com. You'll pop in there. You can uh, enter in your email address for the Daily Wink, uh, which is what you need to know, of course. We'll talk about that in a minute. And also track down all the uh, bits and bobs, as they say, of the show. Lots to see there. I'm trying to figure out why that piece of paper is on my desk here. Uh, it's not what I'm looking for. Hey, if you missed it, and you shouldn't be missing this, you know, every Wednesday at, uh, at let's see what time it's at, 12 noon. No, uh, 12 noon. Yes, 12 12 noon um, East Coast time. Excuse me. Gosh, I can't even speak today. 12 noon, uh, 1 o'clock East Coast time. So 10 o'clock Pacific time. I do a live webinar for Project Pro America. And right now the webinar is seven hour sessions every Wednesday on the, I call it the problem of communist China our second Cold War. And today I talked about the problem of communist China and the threat we've seen, uh, especially from their systemic, or maybe the better word is systematic, effort, planned effort, to steal our intellectual property and our trade secrets and everything else. Some extraordinary sort of map, if you map it out, how bad it is what they did. So if you didn't get a chance to see that, you should go to phyllisschlafly.com. You'll see Project Pro America in the corner, and you can check it out there. phyllisschlafly.com is, of course, the place uh, that is the um, basis for my... A day work, my day job as the head of the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, the organization of national, uh, national organization of conservatives that uh, fight for good stuff. So, okay, um, let's let's see. We got a bunch to cover. I still I can't believe uh, California's governor, and uh, you're seeing all the the blowback now on his uh, efforts to close everything down, shut everything down again. You know, one of the problems with Newsom, uh, among others, is that he doesn't realize that the um, state of California is not one big uh, Newsom ground, right? He's not giving, you know, for those that are critical of President Trump, and I've heard this, they say he should have nationalized the effort and said this and that. Well, the difference between Wyoming and and, um, Missouri, or better, Wyoming and Rhode Island, it's like night and day. And, you know, pick a state, Minnesota versus Texas, right? All these different, you you have to have some way, our American way of life is some way for local uh, values to, to, you know, push through. Well, in the case of California, you've got such a massive um, uh, geographic as well as uh, demographic, uh, you know, uh, state 
group of people, group of, uh, you know, a group of different entities. And so you, the difference between Northern California, Southern California, obvious difference between the policies of L.A. versus San Diego or Orange County, or whatever. It's a big deal. It's a big difference. And Newsom is struggling as he I think as he curries favor with his favorite part of that. Man, it's to the detriment of the rest of the state. So I think he's now, by the way, I think you can see in some of the actions and reactions of these folks that they know they've got a political problem. I mean, a big time political problem. So, um, you, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's fascinating to watch. All right. Uh, let's get to what you need to know today. What you need to know today, I want to highlight for you a, a very important piece that ran in, uh, I think it's the USA Today. I'll get to it, but it's a column uh, by uh, Peter Navarro. Peter Navarro is, of course, uh, many of of you know Peter Navarro from uh, from his time in San Diego, our listeners to the program, and um, and you know his um, you know he's been a teacher. He wrote a book on China, uh, all these kinds of things. He um, very very interesting man, and I, we've known him for years. He is um, he has been at. Um, Eagle Council a number of times. Uh, our Eagle Council is our national Eagle event. In fact, we're having our Eagle Council in St. Louis, excuse me, in Washington, D.C. on September 20th through 22nd. And so Peter Navarro is a professor. He's been a uh, writer and he is um, somebody who has um, been talking about China for a long time. And then he backed Donald Trump early. And when he backed Donald Trump early, he then went into the White House and he has a specific job, a specific title within the White House. His piece ran in the USA Today, today, um, today, today. Sorry, I say that a couple of times, but it ran in the USA Today. And Peter Navarro, his title is he's the director of the Office of Trade and Manufacturing Policies policy. So he's in the White House and he's been in the White House the whole time. Well, he wrote a piece in the in the um, USA Today a column. And basically what he said, I'm going to summarize what he says is you can't trust the experts all the time. Well, that's not what he said. What he said was Dr. Fauci, who is being touted as the expert, uh, that's my my words, on all the things that have to do with the pandemic. He's been wrong a bunch. And I agree with that. And so here's my message to you. What you need to know is experts. I I tweeted this today. I said 50 percent of all experts consulted state that experts are wrong half the time. In other words, I'm t- being t- trying to be funny there a little bit, but the fact is experts in our culture now in America, we've been conditioned to believe that experts are always right. And so when, and, and it's really dumb, but we've been, it's happened, right? And we have this expertise class that has, has risen up and you, you know, you can't argue for yourself in court. You need an expert lawyer. In the old days, lots of people got up and argued their own case. For example, this is one example. You know, you have to be an expert on this finance accounting. Now, some things are actually necessary. The rise of expertise in, say, nuclear uh, power. Well, you've got to be an expert on that. But the people that are communicating about things to the public that are touted as the experts and in your own life, my, my, put, my pitch to you, what you need to know is they're wrong half the time. They're probably wrong more than that, by the way. So when Dr. Fauci says, um, you know, don't don't close the border, uh, don't close air travel from China in, in January. And Peter Navarro says, yes, close it. And Trump does that. Trump didn't listen to the expert Fauci, but it turns out he was right. Everybody agrees on that now. When Dr. Fauci said in the middle of March, I said April, excuse me, February, March, don't worry about masks. They don't help. Now he says they do help. Was he lying then or lying now? My point is not to, I actually respect the guy. Dr. Fauci went to my college. I went to the College of the Holy Cross and I went there and he, he's, uh, so I, have, I respect him. He's been in the field for a long time. He's worked on tough stuff. And I, I don't just, I have no disregard for him at all. I think it's very, very positive. You should, we should respect people that work hard. But 
He's been wrong half the time. And what Fauci goes through is the specifics of the of the arguments. And my what you need to know now is that you have to not listen to experts the same way that the culture is telling us that the media is telling us because they're not telling us all the truth. They're not giving on the, the phrase that one of my um, my uh, Bible teachers once said was enter into this. He said this subject uh, we were taught. He and I were talking about with a spirit of skepticism. Now, you can't be a doubting Thomas on everything. You can't you can't doubt everything. You won't function. You won't get out of bed. But a spirit of skepticism in this culture, when so rapidly the culture is manipulating us, when so rapidly big tech and others are manipulating us, the spirit of skepticism is necessary now, especially when it comes to experts. I was trying to think of some other examples, and here's a good one. It has to do with the same stuff Peter Navarro cares about. But for decades, the experts on economics and the experts on trade told us that tariffs will destroy your own economy. If you, America, put tariffs on another nation, it will destroy your own economy. That was, that was like experts telling you over and over, here's how it would work, here's why it would be bad. Well, they were wrong. We just tried tariffs. They worked. They didn't destroy our economy. Now, there's lots of reasons for that, I am sure. It has to do with the strength of our economy and, you know, all. But the fact is, they were wrong. And so over and over again, you know, if you're going to the doctor, you, you better have your spirit of skepticism on when they tell you X or Y or P or Q. My, my, my friend is, I talked to a friend in Pennsylvania. He's the coroner of a county up there. And they're doing an analysis of the uh, deaths by COVID because he's not sure that he believes what people are telling him. And I told him one of the things that I really worry about is that a lot of people were put on hospice when they got COVID instead of being treated. And, and I, I hate, I don't like hospice. I think hospice can be really abused. And so he's going to look into that too. But my point is that the experts will tell you X and you're supposed to listen. My point is a spirit of skepticism, like what Peter Navarro's laid out, is very, very necessary. And so what do you need to do now? I told you when I say what you need to know, well, you know, what you need to know today's wink is this. You have to doubt the experts and question more. Okay. But then what you need to do is you need to, in your mind, you need to be resetting your calibration so you're not falling for it. And then number two, and this is big, just like anybody else, elected officials and public figures will utilize and fall for and be swept away by experts. And we have to strengthen them. Now we have the power through social media, through radio, all the ways we can reach them to teach our public officials, elected and otherwise, that they have to be entered into this stuff with a spirit of skepticism, not swept along by the experts. Again, respect for truth, respect for effort, fine. But not, he's an expert, you have to listen. It's proven wrong. In fact, the best leaders, the best people functioning are, are using, utilizing what I'm saying. And that's what you need to do. So there you have it. All right. We got a great show today. We're going to actually talk with somebody who's really been poking uh, through these, uh, some of these uh, uh, places we should worry. Uh, his name is John Solomon, and he's got a new uh, book out, and we'll talk about what he's seeing. He's a journalist, incredible journalist, over at justthenews.com. We'll talk to him and a candidate for office uh, up in Pennsylvania. We'll hear from her again. We'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be back in a moment. Thank you. 
Welcome back. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Our next guest is John Solomon. And John Solomon, well, he's he got a lot of attention, I think, because he was right. He was writing uh, uh, columns in The Hill and other places, and all of a sudden he found himself being, uh, you know, instead of being a journalist, he was being attacked by people. But he's got a new book. It's called Fallout, A Nuclear Bribes, Russian Spies, and the Washington Lies that Enriched the Clintons and uh, Biden Dynasties. Uh, John Solomon, his co-author, is Seamus Bruner. Uh, he, has, um, he has done tons of stuff. I mean, he has been uh, at The Washington Times one of the leaders there. He's also um, uh, been, uh, as I mentioned, a writer himself and before that in uh, mainstream I'd say media. But now he's got justthenews.com which you need to go there. There's a ton there. Before I get to, John, welcome to the program. Before I get to your book and other things let me ask you about the um, the, the, the media in this way. I, we saw today that Peter Navarro questioned Dr. Fauci and said basically, don't listen to the experts they're wrong half the time, which I think is actually a really helpful thing. But John you were in the, sure. in the media. You are a journalist and you for a long time we were told if if the journalists tell you it's true you have to listen we now know that's just (laughs) not true but 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 how bad is it i mean where do we go how do we sift through who's wrong and who's right that's a great question and i i get it often and in uh, as i go around the country now working on stories and developing the justin news brand chapter 10 of the book in fallout we talk about the decade of 2009 to 2019 as the decade of deceit, where multiple institutions huh. that we came to trust, right, that we, we were told, that they told you, yeah. you can believe it, they're above politics, and they stick to the facts. The FBI, the Justice Department, the CIA, the State right. Department, and uh, the uh, mainstream news media, particularly the Washington News Corps. Whatever people thought, and there's always been questions of bias, generally, Reporters were pretty accurate. But beginning in the beginning of the Obama administration, and certainly by the time the 2016 Trump election occurred, that, those institutions, the FBI, they're, they're, they're texting each other their politics and talking about having um, an insurance policy to stop Donald Trump. That's not what the FBI did for, for decades. Uh, you've got the Justice Department filing blatantly false FISA warrants. Uh, you have an FBI lawyer changing a document, falsifying a document, to make Carter Page look like a Russian stooge when the FBI knew he was a CIA asset. These are things, and, and the media does the same thing. The New York Times and Washington Post have stories, if you go back to 2017, that are irrefutably wrong. They've been debunked by the IG, by the Congress, by multiple the classifications of documents. The New York Times and the Washington Post and, and CNN and many others who we came to trust and were told to trust, they've got stories blatantly wrong and they're not retracting and fixing them or even acknowledging they had a problem. And so I think this decade of deceit begins with a, a fundamental change in institutions. Institutions that were apolitical and committed to fact became political and committed to outcome, regardless of fact. And, and I think that's one of the great threats to democracy, uh, a, a suppressed press or a, uh, a biased press, along with uh, uh, institutions like the FBI that can be weaponized. They pose probably the single greatest threat to democracy in our constitutional republic that we've seen certainly in our lifetime. You were talking with John Solomon, and he's mentioned the, he's the author, a co-author of a book. Uh, uh, it's called Fallout, and uh, available. Uh, you can find it anywhere books are, books are sold, but I also went to uh, justthenews.com, which is the site that he's the editor and publisher of. And, and Just the News, to me, uh, the, the, the best asset is it's fast with the story, and I, I, I tend, I'm just telling you the truth, to trust it, right? I say, okay, well, I can find out on, the, you know, what, is, what does this mean? You know, what is, but John, um, we're talking with John Solomon about this problem, but, you know, it's, um, 
the speed with which the disinformation goes out that has its impact. And so you're a journalist and, and, you know, you actually have made your life life's work, this stuff. And yet you get, we get uh, fed a line. The best example recently is there's a bounty on killing American soldiers in Afghanistan paid for by Russians. That was in the Intel briefing. Turns out that story was not true. It was possible that something like that happened, but it wasn't true, but it was told for a week and a half. I heard from military vets about that. I guess my point is, can you win? You know, you're just the news.com. Can you actually stop the tsunami of the lies? Well, we, we showed uh, with the work I did at the Hill and, and then at Just the News that you can mm-hmm. unravel a false scandal. Uh, the entire primary institutions of Washington, CIA, NSA, FBI, the news media, the Justice Department, the FBI, all created a false narrative that is the Russia collusion narrative. It wasn't true the moment it walked in, and it was never true for three years of headlines, and it ultimately was declared untrue. And uh, it was my reporting, Silver Carter's reporting, uh, a couple of other good reporters who did this work day in and day out. And we proved that if you present the American public with real facts and show that the facts or the alleged facts that are showed are wrong, the American public will believe it. And, and I think what I've done at Just the News and with this book is to try to set a new standard for journalism, maybe shame some people into considering it. When you read a story at the Just the News, you're not only reading the story, there's a second tab called Dig In. And that tab, when you click on it, is all the source material, the footnotes, the links, the original source documents, the original audio, the original video that we use to build that story. So if you don't, I don't want to be so arrogant and say, I'm such a good reporter, you should trust me. I want to be transparent with my my readers and and viewers, and you can do that. In the book, we do the exact same thing. We make, there's 150 or so revelations in in the book follow-up, really new things about the Russia scandal, the intercom activity of things. Um, uh, corruption, things that hadn't been exposed before. The book's about 220 pages. There's another 180 pages that's just footnotes. It's every fact that you can go check yourself without taking my word for it, where you can get it, and how you can look it up. I think that's one way to fix journalism. If you're forced to substantiate, not with anonymous sources, which you know are hijacked all the time, like that bad story you mentioned, but if there's a source document, yeah. an interview, and you can show that person, you can prove to the reader you're telling the truth. We're talking with John Solomon again. He's the author and uh, of Fallout. The book is Fallout, uh, John Solomon's Nuclear Bribes, Russian Spies, and the Washington Lies that Enriched the Clintons and Biden Dynasties. Um, John, I, I want to, on the, um, on the, the current um, state of the world broadly, though, um, the power of big tech, the, the mainstream media is kind of, uh, the fake news media has gone into hysterics, overdrive, right? They, they're now covering breathlessly the number of coronavirus infections and refusing to cover the death count, you know, which is going down, down, down. In other words, they're, they're covering half the news trying to scare you. My question is this, as a matter of observing politics, I know you're not in politics, you're in the news. In the 2020 election... You know, they're not going to it feels like they're not going to make the same mistake they made with Hillary where they thought they were going to win and and didn't run through the tape. I think they look like they're going to use every tool. And how do you beat, um, say, the, the, the Google YouTube uh, and the Facebook and the Twitter, you know, sl- uh, slanting of because news, because if you get the right news and you go to just just uh, the news dot com, you'll see stuff, accountability about politics. And but if they if all those places are icing you, you know, and holding back people from finding you. Aren't we in political trouble? Well, that's a great question. And I think, you know, one of the things that we're seeing is that the news media doesn't have the standing it had. In fact, many times it's an 1820 approval rating. That would be deadly for a politician. 
So Americans right. are, are now getting their information around the news media. Sure, Twitter and Facebook can constrain that. But there are many, many ways. Live, live TV, like the president does, all these, you know, the president does these uh, virtual events. And there's a million, two million people watching online. No filters, no mm-hmm. anchors trying to poison what's going on. So politics has been moved from re- a total reliance on the media and television networks to many platforms now, Zoom, whatever it is, that allow you to go directly to the American public without it. But at the end of the day, the big story of this election of Joe Biden versus Donald Trump is there's an enthusiasm gap. Trump's voters are far more enthusiastic about Trump than Biden's voters are about him. We just had a poll with Scott Rasmussen. It's about two to one. Uh, 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 Trump's uh, supporters are twice as um, enthused about their candidate as Joe Biden is. So what are the Democrats doing to try to make it up? They're going to try to get the greatest get-out-the-vote effort in history. And if you're not enthusiastic, you really can't motivate your people to show up on Election Day. They're going to try to make it easy. Mail in your ballot, mail in your ballot, mail in your ballot. I believe this election will be the first election determined by mail-in ballot. There will be so much of them. And Republicans, while they're in principle against it, the dam is broken. The tsunami's already crossing the political landscape. Republicans are going to have to win the ground game. They're going to have to use mail-in ballots. They're going to have to take advantage of their um, uh, their clientele and their voting constituencies' enthusiasm. And they got to match vote for vote in mail, vote for vote in absentee, vote for vote in person, what the Democrats are doing. Because the way they're trying to make up for the lack of enthusiasm for Biden is making it easy for people to get their vote. We'll pick it up from you and we'll deliver it for you. Just sign the, the ballot. The Republicans have to have an answer to that if they're going to well, I think that sounds about right to me. I mean, I guess they, they, the, uh, the, the, as I told someone about this, that they, the only reporting on mail-in fraud was about the, a postal worker who had some. And, of course, they proved they, they, they mainstream media is saying it was a Trump supporter, I guess. I mean, I don't, I don't believe them, but <laughs> I think you're right about that. Whatever the, rea- whatever the reality is on the ground, we have to do. Hey, um, one last thing uh, before I let you go, uh, John Solomon. Sure. We're talking with John Solomon again. His book uh, is out. It's called Fallout. You should check it out. Go to justthenews.com, and you can get through there, through their shop and all. Um, what give me your observation on the Flynn case. I know you covered it. You broke a lot of news inside it. But yeah. again, you talk about one one man. I heard I think it was uh, Mark Stein said the process was the punishment what they did to Flynn. Yeah. You know, give me your right. your John Solomon 50,000 foot view. So this is yeah. another example. We're right this moment. We, we've seen the FBI act politically in this case. They were shutting down the case. The boss stopped them from shutting it down. And then they lured Flynn into a perjury trap for an interview uh, that under the FBI's own rules, they didn't have the right to ask for it. They, they violated right. their own rules when they set up Flynn for that interview. But look what's going on right now. We have a judge who's been instructed by the appeals court, instructed by the Supreme Court, by, by the, you know, the current rulings of the Supreme Court, that he should dismiss this case now. The Justice Department and the defendants are both in agreement. And what has he done? He went out and hired an outside judge to come to a different conclusion. Uh, the appeals court says, don't do that. Dismiss the case. He goes and appeals it again. You have a judge that maybe 10, 12 years ago would never engage in blatantly political conduct, and Judge, judge Sullivan is engaged in blatantly political conduct. How do we know that? When you pick that outside judge to give an alternative opinion, that person had already yeah. expressed their opinion. He already had made the case right. that Flynn should never have the charges. <laughs> Why would you pick that person? That's not an arbol, ar, a neutral arbiter. That lack of neutrality, yeah. that politicalization, that exceeding uh, the truth and the facts, that is in, it's infecting all of our government in ways that wasn't there a decade ago. Um, really, the judge is the ultimate example of just how bad the judicial system has become infected with politics and bias. 
All right, John Solomon, thanks as always. The book is Fallout. You can check it out. Go to, I recommend you go justthenews.com. Check out things there and on their shop. You click through and there's ways to buy the book and also get an autographed copy and all. Thanks, John, for the time as always and keep up the good work and uh, we'll have you on again soon. Thanks. We'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed, Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Be back in a moment. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I'm really pleased to welcome back on our program our friend Kathy Barnett. Now, Kathy Barnett is uh, running for Congress. We'll talk, that about, talk about that in a moment. Talked earlier today with a friend of mine up in uh, Pennsylvania, Stan Casasio, who was with her last night. I guess a bunch of supporters got together and said it was a great event, as always. Uh, Kathy is a – she herself is an author. Uh, she wrote a book called Nothing to Lose, Everything to Gain, Being Black and Conservative in America. It's a very good book, very interesting book from her perspective. She's a veteran, uh, has taught. Uh, at the university level, uh, you know, a big conference speaker. And uh, she decided to run for the 4th Congressional District against the incumbent, uh, which is always a challenge. And um, she is uh, slogging away. She won the primary. Or I don't think there was much of one. Or if she did, she dispatched them easily. And she is now head-to-head for the fall on November 3rd. So, first of all, Kathy, welcome back to the program. How is the race going, the campaign going? Thank you so much for having me back. It is going very well. We have now we are now getting the interest of some um, very important people, some very important donors, uh, which is always good. a good thing. Um, but that is because I, I believe that's a testament of uh, what my team is doing. We were not given a snowball chance in Haiti of remotely uh, being a viable campaign, and um, and no one can really uh, put their finger. I mean, like no one can really understand the level of energy this campaign is getting, but I believe the energy is coming from Americans waking up and realizing that the left is not playing with us. They have an agenda and they are determined, come hell or high water, by any means necessary to achieve it. Right. We're talking with Kathy Barnett. I meant to say your website is kathybarnettforcongress.com. It's a nice nice site. Kathy Barnett, and there's an E on the end of Barnett. It's a B-A-R-N-E-T-T-E for Congress. I'll put it up on online, uh, kathybarnettforcongress.com. It's a good, good site. There's a one interesting, I, I liked very much your letter. You wrote a, a sort of a letter why you were running. I thought it was an effective tool, you know, to your constituents. It was good. So a lot more about her there. Um, Kathy, what's your response? Uh, well, no, before I get to that, let me, I'm looking at my notes. Running for office. In the in the era of uh, of coronavirus, right? I mean, one of the things of a challenger campaign like you're in, you're looking for any chance to get you know two or more people gathered, you'll go shake their hand. Or if you get a hundred people for a, a little a, a, for a little league game, you know you would go there if you could. You know you go to the Fourth of July parade. Well, a lot of that stuff is gone. So how how have you had to adjust? I don't envy you. I, you know, I years ago I ran for Congress too in 2010, and and it I loved all that stuff, and, I, and all that's gone, I guess. So how do you adjust to that? No, let me tell you, it is the complete opposite. First of all, uh, uh, how we campaign is not just uh, impacting me as the challenger, but it's also impacting my incumbent, my opponent as well, right? And so at the very yeah. beginning, the challenges I, were, I was facing, my opponent was facing as well. But let me tell you, everywhere I show up, 500 or more people are gathered there. That's the enthusiasm. We had our grand opening of one of our locations um, about on Father's Day. Um, I probably advertised it only on Facebook maybe a week before the event. We had over 400 people show up. Uh, I go to a restaurant, a meet and greet. I give them a three-day notice on Facebook. Again, it's standing room only. We have another one coming up, a grand opening coming up, and, you know, the buzz is it's going to be packed out 
out again. Let me tell you, Democrats are doing half of my campaigning for me. They're making the distinction very clear of what it is we can expect if we elect Donald Trump and my opponent versus if we pivot and begin to get back to our American values. Right. Kathy, your opponent. Well, let me let me first ask you a different question. You, you know, you're a conservative African-American veteran. So, you you know, and a woman. So you should be all the things that all the things and all the things that are sort of, you know, you, you've made your own life. You work through it. You got army, all this stuff. And yet I'm sure you get you find yourself getting kind of uh, attacked for being more conservative. How do you answer the uh, how do you describe that when you watch the Black Lives Matter movement? How do you react to that and say, you know, what that means in your work, in your life and in what you, in your work is? You know what? I mean, I guess it's the way we all can view it, right? Because you can say words, but then you look at how what the actions are behind those words, how people are living those words out. Do black lives matter? Of course, black lives matter to me. I'm a black woman married to a black man, raising black babies from a black family. Black lives most certainly matter to me. But guess what? Your life matters to me as well. And the constituents that I would be working for here in the 4th District of Pennsylvania, 80% of them are white. Their lives matter to me, just like the 10% of blacks who live in this district. Lives matter to me. So that's point number one. But number two, you begin to see how Black Lives Matter Global Network Incorporated actually live out their mantra, their hashtag Black Lives Matter. Because when a young when a when a one year old black baby was shot through the stomach just this past weekend, sitting in his stroller with his mother at a family picnic. I have yet to see anyone from the Democrat Party, any AOC. I have yet to see uh, anyone from Black Lives Matter come out and condemn that level of foolishness. I have yet to see that. So my question is: Does Black Lives Does all Black Lives Matter to Black Lives Matter Global? Uh, global network incorporated or right. just those particular black lives that fit their narrative. We're talking with Kathy Barnett. And again, Kathy's website is Kathy Barnett for Congress. Uh, fascinating to see what she's uh, done and how, what she's accomplished. Let's talk one minute about your opponent. Your opponent's a, f- a freshman, a, f- a first, you know, in her first term in the in the Congress. She served in office for, I don't know, eight or nine years before that in uh, over in Harrisburg. So she's a career politician in my mind. But but she's in office. What's what's the biggest difference between you and your uh, incumbent opponent? You know, the contrast that you're saying to people, they come up to you in the supermarket, and say, oh, you're running. Well, isn't that woman already in office? She's the, the congressman. What's the difference? What's your your sort of biggest contrast? With I her? mean, listen, it's a lot. You can go to Kathy Barnett for Congress dot com. I've started delineating what those differences, very stark differences are. First and foremost, as you alluded to, she is a political social climber. She is a hack. She votes a 90 97% in line with the squad, 98% in line with Nancy Pelosi. She's a bobblehead. Whatever they say, she jumps, she does. So she's very convenient for her. Secondly, a very significant difference between my opponent and myself is that I have not received $20 million from a former member of the Chinese Nationalist Party in Taiwan, whereas my opponent, her and her family business, did only for the family business to, as soon as they received the $20 million, to file bankruptcy less than three months later. And by the end of that year in 2018, the business was no longer a going concern. 
in addition to that, uh, you know, she talks about, like most Democrats talk about fair wages, and yet with their family business, they had they had their bikes being made in China um, at the average rate of a dollar and fifty cents, and yet they come back over here to America and then they pander to the rest of us. Unlike my opponent, since the color of my skin seems to be all that people recognize nowadays. My opponent hires someone to come into our office to help her understand black people. Well, I don't need that. I've been black all my <laughs> life. And so I know exactly <laughs> what the issues are in the black community, but not just within the black community, but with America. I'm grateful that our nation is having this much long overdue conversation about racism. The problem is, is that race, the color of my skin, the history of this nation as it relates to slavery is being used as a tool to pummel the rest of America into submission. The, the Democrat Party does not care about black people. The Democrat Party has had the exclusive right on the black vote for over 56 years. And what exactly have they done? They have 56 years and trillions of dollars that they've invested in one program after another program after another program, specifically in black community. And what exactly did they do for the black community? We are worse off today than we were back in 1950. So what exactly having the exclusive rights to the black vote, the Democrat Party is going to do now that they haven't done today? What they're doing and what American people need to be very mindful of is that they are using the history of this nation. They're using my story, um, black history in order to achieve their own personal agenda, and that is the dismantling of America. We need to get real clear about that. These people do not care about black lives or about about um, anti-black racism or any of that. They are solely using America, punking us to the highest degree in order to achieve their own personal agenda. Wow. Kathy Barnett, you ought to can that right there. That's a good uh, Kathy Barnett for Congress dot com. That's a good uh, uh, stump speech right there. One quick question I want to ask you, because I would be remiss. My wife would, would would be mad at me. She often says to me that the one place in this country where you can say clearly the system is failing our people. And a lot of them are African-American and minority in general is our p- urban public schools. And this president oh. is pushing for some he's pushing for school choice in this current uh, sort of bailout bill for this period, more school choice for families that are in failing schools. It seems like an obvious one. I mean, I just tell me, I know you're going to say you agree, but it's crazy to me that more families of all stripes, all backgrounds, all colors, especially lower income, which wouldn't be saying, give me a choice, get me out of this, because that's what traps a lot of people is bad schools. It is, right? I mean, even Frederick Douglass uh, commented on it that, uh, knowledge makes a man unfit to be a slave. Once you are informed, you are no longer bound by the chain society would want to place on you, right? And what is Biden and my opponent? My opponent put out a photo of her and Biden. Biden got his hand wrapped around her waist and she has the caption, I'm riding with Biden. So as a result, here's another distinction. Biden, instead of giving uh, those who find themselves more marginalized, find themselves more predominantly and a bad schooling situation. What does Biden wants to do? He wants to eliminate 
school choice all together. He wants to do away with that. And that is a part of his plan. You can go to his website and see it. These people are no longer hiding their true intentions. We just have to take the time, read about it, and then sit back and think about it. Think about the implications of of, of, of those students that we say we care so much about who do not have some of the same um, opportunities as others not being given the opportunity to go to a school of their choice, a better school of their choice. As a parent, I'm not trying to do anything extra than I have to when it comes to the education of my kids. And of course, I'm a homeschool mom. I've homeschooled my kids for the past six years. And I can assure you, I'm not trying to do something that, that I don't find to be necessary. So if in those particular marginalized communities, the schooling was so good, public schooling was such a great option, parents would not be actively seeking out um, a private right. uh, education source. They're yeah. seeking it out because it's needed. Yeah. Good point. Good job, Kathy Barnett. Again, it's Kathy Barnett dot, uh, excuse me, Kathy Barnett for Congress dot com. Keep us informed as you go down the stretch, Kathy. Appreciate you very much. And again, people should check that out. Learn more about her. I think uh, I think what you're seeing in the ground, the enthusiasm is uh, catching. So uh, keep us in the loop. I got to run, though. We got to take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Mart here in the Pro-America Report. Be back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily look at the significant issues of our time from an experienced conservative perspective. Sponsored by Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, this broadcast continues the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly and stands against forces that mock traditional values, slander America, and redefine the family. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. If you want definitive proof that Joe Biden clearly has no idea how to run an effective campaign for president, Look no further than his recent interview with a morning radio host named Charlemagne. In this cringeworthy appearance, Biden made the declaration that if you can't decide whether to vote for him or President Trump, then you ain't black. Democrats love nothing more than calling Republicans all kinds of vile names, but they're the ones who really have a problem with minorities. What could possibly be more racist than saying black people are not capable of making their own decision? Just like every other kind of American, black Americans have opinions all across the political spectrum. Yet here we have a prominent Democrat politician who is very much not black, denying identity to every black person who disagrees with him. This is racism at its worst. We don't need our children to be hearing outlandish falsehoods like this. I support the right of every American of every color and creed to disagree with me. In fact, I'll vigorously defend your right to disagree with me if someone else tries to silence your voice. If you vote for an American last candidate with bad policy ideas instead of a man who's achieved prison reform and record low black unemployment, you have that right. I'm not going to say you're making the correct choice, but I won't deny you a part of your identity either. That's what America is all about, after all. The right to make up your mind is an individual right given to every man and woman. It's not a collective right given to some groups, but not to others. Joe Biden is just plain wrong to say that black Trump supporters ain't black. Black Americans deserve to have a real choice of which candidate best fits their vision of what kind of leadership America needs right now. I encourage every American to research the issues, look at the candidates track records and make an informed choice for yourself. Freedom of choice is yours 
for the taking. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Do you like what you see at the Trump White House? Will President Trump continue to advance conservative ideals? At phyllisschlafly.com, you gain complete access to Phyllis Schlafly Eagles news updates and commentaries and can track our work on Capitol Hill. Go online often to phyllisschlafly.com. And thanks for listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Now, I've really got myself in a tough spot. I went overtime with those great interviews today. Don't forget, ProAmericaReport.com. You can hear all those interviews. Kathy Barnett, John Solomon, uh, please check them out there. And uh, But real quick, what you need to do, right? We start the show with what you need to know. We finish with what you need to do. Remember, the link, there is a link. At the beginning, the wink was, what you need to know is the experts are wrong at least half the time. So what you need to do, I told you, I previewed this at the beginning of the show, is you have to become... You have to enter with a spirit of skepticism and you have to be someone who checks on the experts, doesn't fall for it and helps other people see that. That's a big thing. You know, we talked just about unplug. I did it last night. I hope you do. After at certain parts of the day, I turn off all the digitizers, all the, the TVs. I stop reading it. I don't watch TV as much. Turn unplug. But today, what you, you spirit of skepticism, spirit of skepticism on experts. You say you're an expert. Here comes a spirit of skepticism because they've been wrong too much. Okay, that's one. That's the thing you can do the most that you got to check on that. That's what you need to do. All right. So do that. And the second part of that is is this part. Make sure that your elected officials, public officials, everybody else aren't giving us aren't accepting the experts and giving them to us as an excuse because we elect them. We put them in place. They're supposed to be our leaders. So, you know, help them buck them up. So they're not misled around by all the experts. Okay. All right. That's what you can do. That's what, that's the window, what you need to do. Hey, let me finish by saying thank you for about a week and a half. Uh, Randy from our team at the answer San Diego has been filling in for uh, Noah. Noah's back tomorrow. Uh, It's a team effort and does a great job. So thank you to Randy for all his good work. Thank you for, uh, for to Joanna for helping us book all these great guests. And so uh, we appreciate it very much. And thank you for listening. So check everything out, theanswersandiego.com, and we'll be back tomorrow night. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you next.